Are you looking for ways to attract and retain private pay clients? Thryzer is a payment platform for therapists built to help clients automatically tap into their out-of-network benefits and save on therapy up front. Check out our special link, join.thryzer.com forward slash modern therapist, and use the code modern therapists to activate $2,500 in free payments with Thryzer. Therapy Notes, the number one trusted EHR among mental health professionals, just keeps getting better and better. With legendary customer support 24 hours a day, seven days a week, they're giving you all the tools you need to succeed, whether you're a solo clinician or a group practice. Try them free for two months using promo code MODERN today. You're listening to the Modern Therapist Survival Guide, where therapists live, breathe, and practice as human beings. To support you as a whole person and a therapist, here are your hosts, Kurt Widhelm and Katie Vernoy. Welcome back, Modern Therapists. This is the Modern Therapist Survival Guide. I'm Kurt Widhelm with Katie Vernoy, and this is the podcast for therapists about all things therapy, the things that we consider, the things that we don't. And today's one of those days where we're going to be talking about some of the things that we might not consider. And this really comes with some of those smart devices in our homes, our offices, potentially even in our clients' homes, and what it means for confidentiality, especially in terms of compliance with things like HIPAA and who's always listening. And, you know, Google a few years ago changed kind of their motto from do no evil to whatever it is now. I just know that they're they're no longer committing to not doing evil. But I want to start with kind of this idea of when we especially start with telehealth clients, but this is also going to be true when it comes to our our in-person sessions with things like smartphones and just kind of being cool in the modern era and having things like Amazon Echoes or Google Dots or any of these kinds of things in our offices of, are those things always listening? And what does this mean for client data? That's a, a, a big intro. Yeah. I, I've worried about this for a while, and that's why I don't have a, any kind of AI in my office. Although after reading some of these articles, I actually do because I have my phone in my office because I receive uh, messages and I, I do all kinds of stuff. So it it's a little bit scary to think about what might be listening. So, I mean, this is where I think any of us who you know have a, a Windows laptop, there's Cortana. If you have one of these Amazon devices, there's Alexa. If somebody, you know, has Siri, these things are listening. And well, some of the tech stuff, you know, might say that they're only listening for keywords that would activate them. Articles that we're looking at here is what we're going to dive into today as far as does this mean that our sessions with clients are actually as confidential as we're talking about? And what does this mean for our own best practices as we go forward, having smart devices in our offices, in our homes, and potentially even in our clients' homes? And the way that this conversation initially came up was I was at a dinner party with some other therapists and talking about great dinner party talk that happens wherever I'm at with other therapists, which is... Yeah, only only well, with therapists. <laughs> with me, I, I tend to get people asking law and ethics questions. And one of the questions that was up for discussion was, are duties when it comes to talking with clients about confidentiality 
particularly when it comes to telehealth. And I was describing that we have a responsibility to talk with our clients about the limits of confidentiality that may include privacy in their own homes. If there's potentially somebody who's you know, walking down the hallway outside their bedroom or office door, wherever they're doing sessions from. And one of the other therapists at this party said, well, what about any of the smart devices? Do you ever warn them about Google or Alexa or Siri actually listening? And that's what sparked this. So if you ever want a podcast episode, I am available for dinner parties for you to float ideas by. Okay. Okay. There we go. (laughs) And so this has led to some research on our part here as far as what is our responsibility and what do we need to do with our clients as it pertains to some of this AI discussion, even when we don't think that it's happening. Well, to me, when you propose this idea for the podcast, the first thing that came to mind was really around convenience versus confidentiality. because when we're looking at a lot of these things, when we don't turn off voice activation, when we don't make sure that we're not connected to everything through our phones and, and all of the contacts and everything within our phones, data is at risk. I mean, even if it's as little as a, a GPA, GPS co-location, it could be a contact, it could be content that you're actually discussing. I mean, there's there's a lot of different ways that folks use their phones kind of to just live their lives and the convenience of having Google read through your emails or, you know, whatever it is to be able to to scan for things that need to go on your calendar or to scan for things, you know, like I love that I can, you know, in the before times when I was traveling, I loved that Google knew where I was flying to, what, what flight I was on, and I would be able to get that information and notifications like you should be leaving for the airport right now. So I think it's something where the convenience of having the AI <laughs> tracking us and listening to us and reading our emails and all of that has sometimes trumped our need for poli- uh, privacy. The first article that I came across in this is an article from Counseling Today. This is a publication of the American Counseling Association. This article was by Nicole R. Curry Sanders called, Hey Siri, did you break confidentiality or did I? In this article, uh, Dr. R. Curry Sanders actually cites an article from the Guardian newspaper talking about an Apple contractor who is a whistleblower. And this contractor is quoted as saying that they regularly hear confidential medical information, drug deals, recordings of couples having sex as a part of this contractor's job providing quality control. So these devices are, at least historically, have listened. Now, this flies in the face of what some of the tech articles that I'm seeing out there who say that these devices are only listening for those keywords that activate them but that they're actually constantly on. And according to uh, this contractors cited in this Guardian article, they are recording and sharing this information. So it's very theoretically easily believed that it's also listening in on your therapy sessions. If that's the case with Apple having this information, everybody who's got an iPhone that's either bringing it into your session, these devices are potentially 
listening to everything that's being discussed in your sessions, which is scary because I imagine that most therapists are not talking about this as a potential breaking of the limits of confidentiality and the promise of confidentiality that makes therapy so sacred. And I think that as a society, we have kind of co-signed on this lack of privacy. I mean, Siri or Alexa or Google or whatever, potentially are they're constantly listening to all of us and that's part of life. And so are we a are we responsible above this risk that all of us are willing to take by having phones in our pockets? And I don't think many of us are, and we'll include the links to what we're talking about here in our show notes. You can find those over at mtsgpodcast.com. The next thing that I'm looking at here is a blog post on psychiatryadvisor.com called Alexa, Siri, Google Assistant are not HIPAA compliant. And it warns against, obviously, we all at this point should know that you shouldn't be doing your notes onto one of these devices using some of these voice prompts. Sure. But this article also warns about don't add clients to your schedule using one of these either because it's not an end-to-end encrypted sort of device, which is one of the requirements of HIPAA. And that HIPAA violations can cost people hundreds or thousands of dollars if identity theft can be traced back to them. Think of how convenient it is to just turn off your phone. So that way, and how much potential money this may end up saving you by just doing the simplest of things. Yes. Yes. I, again, but I, I, I still want to, you know, it, we're, we're, I know we're scared. Good. Any and, good and law and ethics that, discussion but... should leave people anxious. <laughs> Thryzer is a payment platform designed for out-of-network therapy. As a therapist, you would use Thryzer to charge clients for sessions and collect your full rate up front. From the client's perspective, Thryzer links to their health plan, so insurance claims are automatically submitted for them upon every charge. From there, Thryzer manages the claims end-to-end so that your clients don't have to worry about manually submitting super bills or getting on calls with insurance. The best part? Thryzer allows clients to only pay their co-insurance portion for sessions, while Thryzer covers the rest of your fee and waits for reimbursement on their behalf. They also offer you an instant benefits calculator for free, allowing you to provide upfront transparency to prospective clients on their out-of-network coverage. Therapists only pay a standard 3% credit card processing fee per session with no additional fees. Visit join.thryzer.com forward slash modern therapist to get started and use our promo code modern therapists to receive $2,500 in waived fees for your sessions. But my question still stands if I do my part because I am a HIPAA provider, I put my phone on do not disturb or, or whatever, I airplane mode. I put my phone on airplane mode. I don't have any other devices with listening capability in my room. And I, I only use my electronic health record for scheduling and communication and HIPAA compliant email, blah, blah, blah. Like I do all the things. And my client still has a smartphone in their pocket. Like, do I actually need to warn them about that smartphone in their pocket? Because they already theoretically are agreeing to this constant surveillance by having that smartphone in their pocket. I think that we have a duty 
and this is reflected in our ethics codes, we have a duty to tell our clients even things that they may not consider as it pertains to therapy about where limits of confidentiality may lie. Well, there may be the constant surveillance of these devices in everyday life, but to further prompt them, at least, and especially in our first telehealth session with them, that, hey, just in case you haven't considered this, your smart devices in the room may also be listening to your therapy session. And, well... You know, it's not the same thing as a sibling or somebody else, brother, parent, child's, you know, walking down the hallway. There is the potential that some of this information may be transmitted to people that you don't want to. And if that's a consideration, if you want to unplug those devices in the general listening area right now, now would be the time to do so. Okay. I mean, that seems fair. I think there's going to be a lot of people talking about this now that we've put this podcast episode out. So I think we also don't want to freak people out. I mean, I I think about also there, yes, the data is being transmitted, but it's kind of like how much data are people actually looking at? I mean, it's, it's such an inundation of all of this surveillance data that the likelihood of someone honing in on a therapy session feels small as part of quality control. And I'm not saying we shouldn't do anything about it. I'm just saying I'm I'm going to hand wave your argument away and saying that the likelihood of somebody (laughs) breaking into your office and looking at client files is also very small, but that does not absolve you of your responsibility to take the precautions to let our clients know about the limits of confidentiality. I think it's, I I think in talking about it with clients, the way you just said it sounded a little paranoid. You are being listened to (laughs) all the time. There are devices in your room. You're being listened to. (laughs) And so I think there's potentially a clinical, clinically relevant way to talk about it. I mean, I think As you know, smart devices that have voice activation potentially can get activated by words that we use. You may want to turn those on. Turn turn them off, yeah. There are devices in your room. Turn turn them off, turn off voice activation, whatever. But like there are devices listening in your room. You may want to unplug them. (laughs) You sounded a little paranoid. It's true, but but I think we want to, I don't know. It just, it feels a little bit, I don't know. Paranoid to me. I don't know. I don't know what another. Your paranoia is my legal precaution of (laughs) that. And it doesn't have to be presented in that paranoid sort of way. It's just, you know, Hey, it's known at this point, like a little disclosure here. We, we have a little, you know, Alexa thing sitting in our living room. Sometimes our TV activates it. And then we get little ads on the Alexa based on whatever show that's activated Alexa. So all of a sudden we're getting, you know, Airbnb recommendations of, you know, wherever the TV show we just watched was located. It's not that much of a stretch of the imagination to think these things are listening. It it doesn't have to be done in a paranoia sort of way. It's just kind of a, hey, if your privacy means that much to you and you're going to be talking about these sensitive things, you might want to consider shutting off those voice activated things in your room. Well, I mean, the other thing that we talked about before starting to record is also the the geolocation and potentially contacts in your phone. And so to me, I feel like at some point there, if we are going to be in a technological society, there may be things that we just cannot avoid. And maybe I'm wrong. I mean, maybe do I, do I just never turn on my phone when another person's in my office? Like, I, I feel like being able to not have you know, if someone's actually physically coming to my office and our phones 
have a crossed GPS and all of our apps say like, oh, they're in the same room. They must like the same things and then start feeding us all of the ads (laughs) on the things that either we've talked about because voice activation is on or the things that each other have searched for. Um, I mean, it starts to get a little bit nutty to, to like basically be Luddites at the moments during which we're doing therapy. It's not to say that we have to be Luddites. It's that we have to disclose the potential limits of confidentiality that clients may be coming to expect. Uh, Sharing on a Wi-Fi network, if you're a well-intentioned therapist who has a parent who wants to be, you know, on the Wi-Fi network in your office while their kid's doing therapy. That's one way that some of these algorithms work to match up people who should be connected on some of the social media sites. If you've got a client's phone number saved in your phone and you've given third-party apps the permission to scan through your phone book, these are other ways that you're potentially transmitting data to people that you have Mm -hmm. maybe lied to people about in your notice of privacy practices that you give to your clients. If the information that you say that what you're doing with it and how it's going to be shared and you're sharing this information in inadvertent ways, I'm not aware of any court cases where a therapist has been taken to court on this, but I can see where a therapist could be held liable by having some of this data shared in ways that they never, that their notice of privacy practices, you know, they take their boilerplate language from somebody down the street who took it from somebody down the street who took it from somebody down the street who took it from actually a paid lawyer that they actually were responsible with. So since we tend to copy and paste and borrow and pay homage to other people's paperwork by just borrowing and stealing and calling it our own, we may not actually be aware of everything in some of these notice of privacy practices that we give out. If what you're doing is transmitting some of this client data, you at least should document that you've had some of these discussions with your clients as a way of limiting your liability when it comes to having any of these kinds of devices around you. And if the conversation and your own anxieties hasn't pointed it out so far, we all have these devices. This should be a regular part of the conversation and should be something where, especially talking about a lot of protected health information, especially if you're already a HIPAA covered entity, you have to be aware of this. Going back to kind of the the original thought that I had around this is that whether it's convenience or practicality that has you put the the contacts in your phone, for example, I, I think that we have to think beyond that because it really can harm our ability to keep those that data safe. I mean, I think about inadvertently, I have done a really good job at keeping my data away from Facebook. I don't take any of the things. I don't log into anything with Facebook. I've tried to keep Facebook fairly separate as well as I use a really old email (laughs) and it's not connected to my practice in any way. I'm not sure that anybody else wants to do that, but they're like, I don't share contacts with any of my social media. So my phone is never mined for those things. I actively go through and, and deny those permissions. But to me, it could be very simple, even a slip of your of a, of a button press, so to speak, where you've shared all your contacts to LinkedIn, Twitter, social media, any other social media platform that, that it, you allow all of the permissions on your phone because it's easier because like, oh, well, I'll find my friends. I don't have to go search for them individually. I mean, there's so many ways that 
are very seductive that we could do this in a, inadvertent data sharing. You know, this is no commentary on you, but you identified yourself not as like a super tech savvy person. And yet I would say that what you just described is more tech savvy than what most people would think about. And that's why we have some of the responsibilities that we do in talking with clients about how their health information may go beyond just our therapy sessions here. Some of these articles that we've seen talk about, you know, don't do things like write your notes, you know, hey, Google, write in this patient chart X, Y, and Z. Like those things would seem obvious, especially to a lot of our modern therapist community who would be like, yeah, that totally makes sense. But just actually having the presence of any of these devices around us is, you know, a matter of lifestyle for some people. And it's knowing to go in and how to shut off some of these things or be able to talk with some of our clients about this. Because something that's happened during the COVID pandemic and with a lot of telehealth is we've also become de facto IT people when it comes to explaining to some of our clients just even how to make some of the telehealth stuff work. And so if you know our EHR platforms and as simple as they get made for, for user experiences, if people are still having trouble with those, knowing to go in and where to look on a phone for here's where data gets shared back and forth with each other. Well, that might be a little bit outside the, the scope of what we want to talk about with clients. It's mm-hmm. Sometimes more simple as far as if you have these devices and you don't want the conversation of what we're what we're talking about being shared with any of the apps on your phone, best practice might be just to turn them off during our sessions. But if you leave them on, just know that we can't guarantee complete confidentiality. That, that seems fair. Um... Not only does Therapy Notes combine billing, scheduling, notes, secure messaging, group telehealth, and more into one streamlined platform, they're also always adding new features and forms to their library. So no matter your specialty, Therapy Notes has you covered. Learn more at therapynotes.com and use promo code MODERN for two months free. One of the things that you said earlier, though, struck me because I, I think that you and I are like, obviously, we wouldn't, you know, kind of transcribe our our notes or or you know kind of do voice over notes um on our phone but that's kind of an accessibility issue for some folks who can't type or or handwrite their notes and i would be very curious on how to protect in that regard you know if i've got a voice recorder that helps me to do my notes is it within a hipaa compliant platform that goes directly into my notes i mean this might be things that people need to research is how do all of my apps interact and how do i make sure that i'm not there's not more than what i'm working on open and listening because I, I think that's hard and and i don't know that i wouldn't say i'm tech savvy i think i actually am but i think it's something where understanding how privacy and data works and how things interact with each other how there's data handoffs i think those types of things feel like they are beyond the scope of being a therapist. But I like what you're saying is like, then just turn these devices off. I guess the only problem is I have clients that use their phone for their telehealth session. So I don't know if, you know, I use simple practice. So I don't know if simple practice then make sure that other apps on the phone are not listening. I don't know if there's even a way to do that. And or if there is a way for people to, you know, like, do you go through and you just kind of disable each of the apps that you don't want to listen. I mean, it feels like there's there's a, a challenge here to really having a practical solution 
unless we can be certain that the platform that we're using for our video calls on the phone are actually is actually secure. And my assumption is that's the case. I just don't know what else is listening. If and if that's possible. To and watch in preparation of this episode, I did not do a deep dive into how you know our EHR platforms when they are used on our devices. More popular EHR companies, Simple Practice. You mentioned those video sessions. If there is a HIPAA compliance, if they have signed a BAA agreement with you, those yeah. are end-to-end encrypted communications. Now, what I did not sure. do a deep dive on is. Does that also prevent other apps and things from also listening if it is being used on this solitary device that your session is on? TBD, you know, follow us on our social media or whatever, and yeah. we'll, we'll sort through that. We'll sort through that. <laughs> it does come back to this point, and especially as we can see some of these tech companies moving more and more into the healthcare space, that they're going to make closer and closer approximate efforts to become HIPAA compliant. And this is always kind of a cautionary sort of thing where I'm a part of a lot of Facebook groups with therapists, a lot of online communities, and I see a number of people wanting to do things as inexpensively as possible, but without those BAA agreements, those business associate agreements, you're not guaranteed to have the same HIPAA protections if that data does get leaked out or shared in other ways. And so these are your responsibilities as therapists when it comes to confidentiality and this AI conversation. And there's a lot of different ways to try to do that. Um, I was, when you were talking, I was thinking about a conversation I had with uh, Roy Huggins from Person Center Tech, who unfortunately recently just died. And, and it's a very tragic loss for our profession. And just the way that he would talk about HIPAA compliance, and I'm sure Person Center Tech will continue that work, was that you have to understand the risks that you're taking and do what you can and then be comfortable with the risk you're still taking because we exactly. cannot be perfect. And so I, I think it's, I think it's, it's hard because it can be very scary because we can't necessarily get to a place where we've, we've taken every single precaution. I mean, we could go to a black site, have everyone come in separate ways, no GPS phones are left at their houses <laughs> and then be in a room together and then leave. There might be other liability if, if nobody knows where you are and you're, alone in a room with a client. But I think as a society, I don't think we can protect ourselves from every single thing, but these are things that we can protect ourselves against pretty simply. I mean, you just turn it off. Um, I think, and, and that's something that I don't know that a lot of people were thinking about this. Now, one of the questions on one of these articles that got asked, I think is worth discussing here is for people who are working at sites that require you to have a cell phone on you for safety reasons, whether it's um, sure. be in the floor of a hospital milieu system, if you're working for an agency where you go and visit clients' houses or whatever, it's what did you see in kind of the responses to those articles there? The main thing is to turn off voice uh, activation so that there's not a voice activation element. So it's not recording the content, making your phone a, a regular cell phone and trying to get rid of some of the other, you know, kind of the smart elements of it, um, I think can be very helpful. The thing that you can't avoid if you're trying to go for safety is really you got to keep GPS on. And if you need to make an emergency call, they need to be able to ping your cell phone. And so I think there's there are some 
some safety issues or not. There are some privacy issues that you can't avoid if you need to have a cell phone and it's for safety reasons. But I think it's something where the voice assistant technologies, those things are maybe not that easy to find, but, (laughs) but you can, you know, there's some instructions in this and I'll put this in the show notes so that you can find it, but, you know, turning off those voice activation, making sure that you've made yourself as uh, tight as possible, as far as any kind of data that's going out, turning off, you know, all of the apps, making sure there's nothing running in the background, even going through your apps and and having the permission set to only while the app is on, uh, I think is helpful because then if Facebook is tracking your location and Instagram is tracking your location and Google and whatever, if if those are tracking your location all the time, then there's a lot of data being shared. But if you turn those, if you only have those on when you have those apps open and you consciously close them before you go in, my hope is that they're not also running in the background. I've also had something where I put my phone on really low battery use before, where it only allows for phone. So it 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 basically shuts down anything running in the background so that you don't have things going that you don't know about. But you know, if you're wanting safety going all the way to turning it off or airplane mode is going to maybe inadvisable for safety. And in these conversations, then what I would suggest is let your clients know what the limits of confidentiality are. And and this doesn't have yeah. to be huge in-depth pieces of conversations. Some of your clients may have more interest in what you're talking about or paranoia, depending on why you're seeing those clients. But we would love to hear your experiences with this kind of stuff or thoughts or considerations that you have. You can share those with us on our social media. You can find links to those in our show notes. And once again, those are over at mtsgpodcast.com. You can join our Facebook group, the Modern Therapist Group, and spill your data to us and Mark Zuckerberg. And until next time, I'm Kurt Widhelm with Katie Renoy and Siri. Remember to check out Thryzer. They are passionate about making out-of-network therapy work for everyone. Clients save upfront on therapy while therapists earn their full rate. Get started in minutes on join.thryzer.com forward slash modern therapist and use the promo code modern therapists and receive $2,500 in waived fees for your sessions. Thanks so much to our partner, Therapy Notes, the highest rated practice management solution for behavioral health. Don't forget, using promo code MODERN gets you two free months. Thank you for listening to the Modern Therapist Survival Guide. Learn more about who we are and what we do at mtsgpodcast.com. You can also join us on Facebook and Twitter. And please don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss any of our episodes. 